This podcast provides audio versions of live webinars. Please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. Thank you for downloading the webinars podcast from Bitesize Bio, the missing manual for bioscientists. The full version of this webinar can be viewed by navigating to bitesizebio.com slash webinars and clicking on the name of the sponsor, which can be found in the list on the right-hand side of the page. Hello, this is Amanda Welch welcoming you to this Bite Size Bio web seminar, which today is sponsored by Zeiss Microscopy. Since 1846, it is the mission of Zeiss to constantly improve microscopy through innovation. With their unique portfolio of light, electron, ion, and x-ray microscopes, they enable research and industry for the challenges of tomorrow. Highly skilled application specialists support your work and make sure you get the most out of your investment. Today's presentation is titled, New 2D Super Resolution Mode for Zeiss Airy Scan, Fast and Gentle Confocal Imaging with 120 nanometer resolution, and is being presented by Joseph Huff from Carl Zeiss Microscopy. Joseph received his BA in Physics from William Jewell College and his Master's in Physics from Creighton University. He joined Zeiss Microscopy in 2008 as a 3D specialist, and he's now a Solution Manager and Application Development Engineer, where he works with Zeiss on their AeriScan Confocal Systems. Now, as always, we will have a question and answer session after the presentation. So please type any questions that you have into the questions box, which appears on the right-hand side of your screen. And I'll put them to Joseph at the end. The recording of this webinar will be available the next 24 to 48 hours at bit.ly slash superresolutionconfocal. That's bit.ly slash superresolutionconfocal, all lowercase, all one word. So now over to you, Joseph, for the presentation. Thank you for the introduction. As said, my name is Joseph Huff. I work in the business sector of life sciences for Carl Zeiss Microscopy. Um, today, I'd like to spend some time talking with you about our new 2D super resolution mode for AERIESCAN and, and put that in the broader context of the, um, our LSM 880 with AERIESCAN, which we are very excited about um, as, as we really feel we're moving the bar and, and, and really positioning AERIESCAN to be the new standard uh, for, for confocal imaging. So if you're if you're on this webinar, I, it's likely that you either have you have some experience over the over the years with confocal microscopy, or, you, or you're new to it. Uh, at which point, I'm, I'm willing to bet that the reason for this is confocal microscopy has really developed over the last decade to become um, the sort of workhorse for most biomedical uh, research uh, imaging applications. The reason for this is just the the, the versatility of such an instrument and the um, experiments of which one can perform on the system uh, really makes it the, the most versatile tool uh, for imaging in, in one's lab. And as an example on the screen, you see uh, we, we put up a synopsis, or not meant to be inclusive, but an example of everything you can achieve with an LSM. So when we worked, when, when, before we released the, the LSM 880 with AERIESCAN, we went to the research community, uh, people like yourself, and asked, what is it exactly you need more from, from a, a confocal microscope? And as you might expect, um, it broke out along this, this sort of three large biggest metrics of any imaging system. How fast can it go? How sensitive is it? And what's the resolution which I can achieve, right? So those were our sort of um, anchor points when, when looking at the 880 and AERIESCAN. And we feel like uh, we achieved this with the AERIESCAN. So in, I believe it was August 2014 when we released the AERIESCAN into the market. We were able to really um, work on the first two performance metrics of the sensitivity and the resolution 
that's achievable by a confocal system. To give you an example on the screen, typical um, multicolor fluorescence image with the stain of confocal. With AreScan, to give you this is meant just to give you an example of both the resolution improvement and the signal noise improvement you get um, as a result of the detection, as a result of the detector. Then about 18 months later, we were able to introduce what's called the, the fast mode for AreScan, which really pushed the performance metric of the, the other big pillar, which would be the uh, acquisition speed. And the reason we're very excited about this mode and what we felt it really offered, it does offer, and we can show already is really offering the market is that compared to um, previous technology or that was already still on the market that uh, would enable faster acquisition speeds for point scanning from confocal to resonance scanner, the ARI scan really allows researchers to maintain the signal noise um, that you're used to with a point scanner as well in this case, or signal noise of the area scan as well as the resolution, but really hit the higher frame rates. Um, in, the, in, the, in this case, allows you to um, not have to average as much as we'll see later. We'll get into more about how this works. And then in neuroscience this year, uh, 2017, we introduced um, what we call the 2D super resolution mode for area scan. And what this allows is um, the ability to achieve 120 nanometer lateral resolution with a single image while providing um, about a two and a half fold uh, thinner optical section. So traditionally, uh, with any other super resolution technique, uh, you would normally have to acquire a Z-Stack in order to hit this sort of uh, resolution, 120 nanometers. But in this case, with AreScan, as we'll talk about in more depth later on, is we can now achieve this with a single frame. So for some applications, uh, this will have, uh, should have, will have uh, a lot of impact benefit for researchers. So when we start talking about area scan, we start talking about the V880, especially if, if you're newer uh, to confocal microscopy, um, we find it's, it's helpful just to give everyone a brief reminder of the, just the confocal principle and how it works. So in this case, not in this case, but it, most confocal point scan, single point scanning confocal mic microscopes utilize um, a laser source that is focused to uh, to an objective that brings that laser light to a, a diffraction limited spot within at a desired focal plane. Um, and if any sort of fluorophore, GSP molecule, Alexa 48, what, what have you, molecule resides within this double cone structure, if you will, that's, that's, uh, that's sent to the uh, sample plane or into your sample, any fluorophore that resides within that double cone structure has the probability of being excited. Obviously, we're only interested in uh, fluorescence that originates from the focal plane. How it, so in this case, if, if a molecule resides outside the focal plane, what happens in addition to the light that is in focus, that emission light gets focused back to a pinhole. And any light, because based on the size of the pinhole, you, uh, the con, it resides in the confocal plane, we can dictate how much uh, light above or below the focal plane reaches the PMT, the, in this case, the traditional PMT detector. Um, but in this, we're really utilizing the pinhole in a conjugate plane to dictate our optical slice thickness. So we can, in this way, increase the contrast in resolution uh, of our imaging system. So traditionally, in this case, if you're looking at, um, I believe this is some DAPI stain with some sort of um, neuron stain, 
in green, if it's a thick section, if you're used to working with a wide field system, what you would end up with is a um, obviously some information that looks in focus, but a lot of haze and blurriness from out of focus planes because you have no way of discriminating uh, for in focus and out of focus light. As said, with by placing the uh, pinhole in the conjugate focal plane and scanning the point over an image, we are able to build up a much higher contrast image as, that provides better resolution. Um, and really allows us to discriminate what part with along Z of the sample we're interested in. Okay. The caveat with this, or, or what has been the drawback. Uh, for this sort of approach, especially when we think about living organisms or very low expression level systems, you because you are focusing light to a single point and moving it about a field of view, you end up with um, other considerations or much more prominent considerations um, for fluorescence imaging, and that would or live cell imaging. So this would be things like photo bleaching, the increased rate of photo bleaching, or it would be um, increased rates of photo damage, meaning you end up with some sort of um, detriment or impact on your sample based on the, the excitation laser. And this is not, uh, well, this is something that's been over the last couple of years taking on more prominence uh, in the research community. And here we're highlighting a few examples where people are really starting to, or researchers are really starting to dive in to look at what is the impact of the imaging modality I've chosen on my sample and does it, is it rendering the biology I'm, I'm using, or biology I'm interested in, is it, is it rendering it irrelevant? or negatively impacting it. So, and this is especially true if you start thinking about um, techniques that are super resolution techniques where the, the focus is to really get a higher, um, a higher resolution because that will always require that you end up sampling more. So you spend more time on the sample to get smaller pixels to achieve a higher resolution. So in this case, the paper in science really likes to point, pointed out with techniques like STED, Palm, Storm, you know, if, if it is applied to, let's say, live cell imaging, it very rarely consists more than a few frames because there are th these extreme phototoxic challenges um, or challenges, changes to, to cellular physiology, as well as um, incre drastically increased bleach rates of the fluorophore. With area scan, um, we really, in, in, in research, in this case, two papers have shown, have really offered um, the ability to increase the resolution and uh, now a twofold increase over the fraction limit while offering minimal or much reduced um, uh, phototoxic or bleaching effects compared to normal or standard confocal microscopy. Uh, so in this case, um, one res research lab was able to achieve over a thousand frames with minimal uh, photo bleaching effects. Um, which allowed them, in this case, they determined area scan superior technique for confocal live cell imaging. Uh, recent, even more recent paper discussed area scan provided the, the fastest uh, or high speed super resolution technique to study mitochondrial dynamics without it at all impacting the, physiological, physio, the physiology or the morphological changes that they needed to, uh, they wanted to observe, okay? So area scan, in addition to the, these increased um, signal noise or reduction in phototoxic effects, really has allowed uh, researchers to utilize the increased signal noise and resolution to quantify um, their 
their live cell imaging. So in this case, this group was looking at how uh, cardiomyocytes handle uh, a mechanical load placed on them based on the microtubule buckling. So they were able to quantify um, how that mechanical forces uh, translated into some sort of biological reaction, in this case, the, the tubulin buckling, right? But there's a whole host of these examples where area scan has been utilized um, by researchers like yourself to um, move research forward. In this case, if um, more than happy to provide this sort of reference list um, how area scan has been utilized today. <clears throat> but in general, it, we feel that area, no, we feel, we know that area scan has fits into a larger theme for us in that the every innovation we have introduced in the market, even prior to area scan, has really been driven by sensitivity or what we would say gentle imaging to really try to focus on reducing the impact of your imaging on your sample so that that's one less thing you have to worry about. So prior to area scan, one thing we, we that's still present on the LSM 880 is the 32-channel gas detector, in this case, um, a spectral detector. So, and why is that important? And I'll get into to, to how the spectral detector works, but in general, how, why is the sensitivity um, in, important? And it's, in this case, if we look at an example of actin, actin attachment dynamics, if you end up with a, um, a lower signal noise image, you're going to miss the dynamics, in this case, in the middle of the screen, in the middle of the two images, of the actin attaching and not coming on and off, right? So which makes sense if you have a little signal noise. The other thing that often a lot of people don't necessarily think about <clears throat> is that the lower the signal noise of your image, whether you not you sample high enough for, for a higher resolution, if, you're, if you have a low signal noise in your image, you're not going to be able to achieve the higher resolution um, of your image. So in this case, this is looking at a, a neuron, a cultured neuron sample to make the point that the lower your signal noise uh, or the standard confocal image on the left versus uh, with the standard multi PMT versus on the right using the 32-channel gas array in the 880. We increase the signal noise, we increase the sensitivity, therefore we're able to make out uh, or achieve a higher resolution um, with, the, with, the or with the system. So to bring that full circle with the 32-channel array on the 880, in addition to providing a higher signal noise, it also provides flexibility in terms of the the spectral settings for an experiment. So what you're looking at is, a, is, a, is a, an example of how the 32-channel array is set up for spectral detection. So you have a diffraction grating of which your emission light from your sample um, is, it depends upon, at which point the diffraction grating will separate the light based on wavelength and projects it towards um, the detector grouping within the system. And by doing this, you end up to be able to image um, in, in either simultaneously or in a sequential manner up to 10 different spectral channels. So if you have a situation in, your, um, in the design of your experiment where you're able to pick uh, fluorophores that have defined spectral bands that don't overlap or minimally overlap, you're able to set up different spectrum within one nanometer spectral bands um, and acquire 10, 10 of these simultaneously in a sequential manner. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Listen In from Bite Size Bio. To access the visuals of this webinar, please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation.
However, this is not always the case, and I would say, especially for tin spectral channels, it's almost unlikely that you're able to find fluorophores that have an emission spectrum that does not overlap. However, that doesn't mean that we still can't utilize this, this situation where we have a 32-channel spectral array where each detector element represents roughly uh, a 10 nanometer band. Maybe there's something we can do to achieve a higher uh, or allow the, the utilization of fluorophores with a emission spectrum that's much more overlapping, but not require that uh, the, you do some sort of sequential acquisition or really slow down the acquisition at all uh, of the system. <clears throat> so in this case, what we can do, and this is what this group, um, what we're showing here, this example is what this uh, a group did for looking at plant cells. They were interested in imaging um, highly, highly overlapping fluorophores, in this case, GFP, Venus, Mitotracker, Orange, in the presence of um, chlorophyll and autofluorescence, and needed to be able to do this at a high tempo rate. And if you've ever tried to image something like GFP and YFP simultaneously, um, because of the over, highly overlapping spectrum, you would, or the emission spectrum, you, you would have some problems. But in this case, <clears throat> the way the 32-channel detector works is you can acquire the entire emission spectrum of the sample in, in one frame, and then if you know what the emission spectrum is beforehand, you can, uh, as a post-process, unmix, uh, unmix the data and be able to reconstitute an image, which in this case is showing uh, GFP, YFP, MitoTracker, without any temporal loss, as well as because you're only acquiring one scan and collecting all photons at once, you are much more gentle as opposed to a sequential acquisition for uh, each fluorophore, which is negatively impact the sample. And then more to that sensitivity point, um, in this case, a group was looking at, in this case, barley leaves. They wanted to understand, they were interested in studying some sort of fungal infection, which was, in this case, I believe the, the um, infection was, is labeled in red in the auto, if you, in this case, the plants had a high degree of autofluorescence and looking at the RNA structure, which they labeled um, uh, in green, the problem they were having was that if they, they tried uh, several times to, to acquire this image with a single, single sequential scan in order to separate the fluorescence from the autofluorescence, um, but the problem with that is the multiple exposures ended up causing the very weak uh, low-level expression of the uh, fluorophore, or excuse me, the proteins that they were interested in, to bleach out. So with the sequential, or sorry, with the simultaneous acquisition of, of the LSM-880 spectral detector, they acquired the images um, in one pass. And what they were able to do is not only uh, not bleach out the chlorophores of interest, but they were able to suspect, uh, easily remove the autofluorescence and left with the samples of interest. So uh, in this manner, by collecting every uh, photon emission photon from every fluorophore of interest, in this case also for autofluorescence, from the sample in one scan and one pass, they were able to reduce the laser exposure on the sample, but also subsequently after the, after the acquisition, um, divide up the emission signal into the, the relative, uh, the correct emission spectrums or the correct labels and look at the uh, structures of interest.
Right? So, however, if, if the spectral flexibility or the sensitivity that you gain from the 32 channel is not enough, that's where Aries scan starts to fill in the gap. So what we're looking at here is a group that was interested in studying, or the example we're showing is from a group interested in studying telomere replication issues, um, where they simply didn't have enough um, signal noise and resolution on the confocal microscope to really determine if they were getting replication problems or not. So the image on the left is standard confocal with a gas detector, um, where, the, as you can see, they simply couldn't make out uh, they'd have enough resolution or signal noise. The image on the right is with AreScan, which provides a two-fold resolution increase as well as a four to eight-fold signal noise increase, which allowed them to visualize the telomere uh, uh, breakage, which was important for their important for their study. So, if we think about confocal microscopy in general, when we discussed the principle earlier, I mentioned that as you adjust your pinhole size, you're adjusting um, your optical slice thickness. So in this case, we're looking at a diagram of the pinhole diameter of a confocal microscope based off the relative slice thickness. Okay, and what this says is, as you move your pinhole um, down in size, or as you close it to make it smaller and smaller, your optical slice thickness. So how much in Z you represent, or uh, your 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 subsequent image would represent, gets thinner and thinner. The other thing a lot of people don't realize is not only does the optical section get thinner, but your lateral resolution that you achieve actually increases. So as you move beyond the typical one area unit, as you close it smaller and smaller and smaller, you actually get a um, resolution increase beyond that of the, the normal diffraction limit. And if you take it all the way to the extreme, um, at about 0.2 area units, which seems to be the limit, you can achieve a 1.4 uh, resolution increase over the diffraction limit, okay, a root two improvement. However, if you've ever done this before on a confocal microscope, if you reduce the pinhole beyond size beyond one area unit, your signal noise starts to become severely impacted. And the reason for that, and it obviously it makes sense, the smaller you make your pinhole, the less light you're going to allow back to your detector, therefore you end up with a very bad image. All right, so that's traditionally the reason for the one area unit limit is it's the best compromise between the signal noise you can achieve, the optical section, and, and, and the resolution that you can achieve on a confocal microscope, all right? However, <clears throat> the area scan detector, as I told you earlier, allows you to increase the signal noise, increase the resolution, um, simultaneously, which based off of what we just, just talked about, seems to actually be two uh, contradicting things. But we've, the area scan design is, free, is a way around this. So what happens with the area scan is your traditional pinhole unitary detector design with the PNT is replaced by a new setup where the emission light <clears throat> is fed in through um, a filter wheel used for spectral discrimination, but <clears throat> The emission light then goes through some adaptive zoom optics, which project a certain amount of light onto a 32-channel PMT array. And in this case, the 32-channel PMT array actually resides in the pinhole plane. So each one of the detector elements is a pinhole. So the way to think about this is if we traditionally have a, a pinhole, it's represented by one area unit in size, instead of having this 
um, physical aperture with a detector behind. If we replace this now with a detector itself, if with the adaptive, we can with the adaptive zoom optics dictate how much light we project onto the detector. In this case, if we project 1.25 area units onto the detector, each detector element represents a 0.2 area unit pinhole. So in this manner, we can achieve a much higher optical resolution with a smaller pinhole a zero point in a center optical section with a 0.2 area units. But we maintain the collection efficiency of a larger pinhole, in this case, 1.25 area units. So we are able to have both a resolution increase and a signal noise increase simultaneously. Um, and as I said earlier, this allows us to achieve 100 nanometer resolution uh, in XY and 350 in Z with a signal of noise increase of four to eightfold, all again while collecting 1.25 area units um, with a light with a 0.2 area unit um, optical resolution improvement, all right? So to see this, to see this in action, well, the thing I would remind everyone is this sort of setup by having this uh, multi-channel detector in the pinhole plane each element of the detector still is, is acting as a pinhole, so you still get all the optical sectioning benefits as well. So if you have a thicker, thicker sample, uh, or maybe other imaging, super-resolution imaging techniques won't, uh, won't work because of the, the, the scattering of the sample, AeriScan will. So anything you image with the confocal today, you can utilize AeriScan for. So the image on the right is looking at a now um, brain section with I1 GFP line, and this is a depth-coded image, I believe it's 25 microns. So this is a normal confocal image. When you apply AeriScan, take the similar image, you get a, you can see you get a much higher uh, increase in resolution and, and contrast uh, due to the resolution optical slice improvements in the optical slice, or the center of the optical slice and improvement um, in the lateral resolution as well. <clears throat> Maybe a more um, obvious example, at least compared to um, other super resolution modalities on the market. If you, in this case, we're looking at stereocilia um, and hair cells, where I believe the <clears throat> Alexa 48 shown in green is labeled for Floydin, and the six, Alexa 647 is labeling the tubulin. This is imaging through a cellular layer, a layer to um, image the cilia, and with something with a with approach like SIM. This becomes problematic because the scattering that um, the, the cell, cell layer you have to image through causes does not allow the SIM reconstruction to work well. We don't have that problem with the airy scan, again, because it is an optical sectioning uh, approach. Um, so it's sort of you, you get your cake and eat it too in, in this sense, all right? So to really to get a little into the uh, technical idea of how airy scan would work, it's all. It's very helpful to remember that when you think about your your your, your label that you put on your sample, whether it be Alexa 488, a GFP molecule, what have you, when you image that through a microscope, you don't just reconstitute a single the single point. The point it actually goes under diffractive process, so you end up with sort of a smearing of the light, such that you end up with a, a, a finite. Um, um, you end up with a restriction of how small of a point you can make based on uh, the diffraction of the diffraction limit of the microscope, which is traditionally referred to as the point spread function. So what you see here on the right is a um, image in both in an X and Y and X and Z of what a single point emitter would look like 
if you image it through a microscope, so the point spread function. However, if you look at different, um, if you're able to look at different planes within the, of the point spread function, if you've ever looked at a single point object in a microscope and move the focus up and down, what you'll see is the point spread function comes in and out of focus, and there's a change in the shape uh, in the XY plane, all right? And it turns out if you are using a pinhole imaging technique like AriScan, you can use this information to your advantage. So if I have, if I'm perfectly in focus with a single point emitter like a GFP molecule, the intensity distribution across the AriScan should be, look, we can predict, we know what that should look like, okay? If, however, you have an addition to uh, your in focus, if you will, um, GFP molecule, if you have a molecule that's not only shifted laterally, but also on the axial dimension, not only will obviously the distribution move to left or right of the in focus, but you'll have a different distribution based on the lateral, or sorry, the axial location of the molecule. So in this case, what's shown in blue is what the distribution would now look like on the area scan detector in the presence of multiple, uh, multiple fluorophores. And then subsequently, if you add another um, GP molecule in a different, in another, uh, moved it in a different direction, in a different plane, you end up with a situation where the intensity distribution on the, at the area scan starts to spread out beyond a single GFP molecule. So you can now consider a situation where I have a three-dimensional sample space where I have um, my sample that's labeled with millions and uh, millions and millions of fluorophores scattered all over through the, all over the place. And what I see with the area scan detector, what what I see with that 1.25 area units worth of collection, that distribution on the area scan detector is really made up of individual PSS, if you will. And, where I know what the distribution should be in X, Y, and Z. So what I can do then is, if you will, unmix the, uh, the, subs the images to really say, is this 4-4 originating from the infocal plane or not? I cannot say if, the, if a molecule, if the light I'm seeing originates from above or below, I can just say, is it originated from the focal plane or not by, the, by uh, effectively unmixing um, the data. And that's how this 2D super resolution mode works. I'm able to take one point, uh, an image, collect 1.25 area units worth of light on the detector and say, I can, re I can reconstitute a much thinner optical section from a single plane by using the axial information that's already embedded uh, in the detector by looking at the PSF shape. So how do I use this to my advantage? Why is this important? Well, as we discussed earlier, one of the reasons for using a confocal microscope to begin with is to allow every to allow a researcher to create a much thinner optical section to increase the contrast of an image, therefore hopefully also the uh, resolution. So in this case, what you're looking at is a, a neuromuscular junction example, uh, BRP label, where confocal compared to confocal at one area unit and we close our pinhole down to 0.2 area units, you end up with a much worse signal noise. However, with the 2D SR mode of area scan, we can maintain a higher signal noise, a higher resolution, and reconstitute the ring structure that we would expect uh, from the biology, okay? So typically in order to, like I think I mentioned this earlier, traditionally it's been in order to achieve 
the full lateral resolution, 120 nanometer resolution, you would always have to acquire a Z-stack and then do some sort of deconvolution. Um, I mean, in traditional modes, you don't, you no longer have that restriction with the AeriScan 2D super resolution mode. In this case, we're looking at an example, uh, cell example with where Tom20 uh, mitochondria out of membrane has been labeled with Alexa 568. And compared to the normal confocal image, we're able to take a single scan and, and, and realize 120 nanometer, 20 nanometer resolution to make out the single on the, the mitochondria membrane. And if you compare this to uh, what you would have normally done, in this case with AeriScan, to take a Z-Stack in 3D to get the 120 nanometer resolution, which is what's shown right now, I can take a single 2D image and get the same image um, with a single scan. So you're talking a, a, a difference of having to acquire a minimum of five planes to do, um, do a, a proper deconvolution or a proper reassignment with AeriScan. In this case, I'm doing a 2D, a single plane and getting the same resolution. So why is this a benefit? If you're always, not ever, you don't always necessarily need to take a Z-Stack um, because you, you may end up in a situation as we're getting ready, to, I'm getting ready to show you where your sample is thin. I only need to take one plane over time to look at some sort of live cell dynamics. So again, if we stick with the Tom 20 example of my cells, this Tom 20, this cell is, um, and, and we're this labeled to Tom 20. And if I then apply the 2D super resolution, you can see I get a much higher spatial resolution, much higher uh, signal noise, where now I can maintain a temporal resolution because I don't have to acquire a Z-stack in order to uh, achieve the spatial resolution that I desire, all right? So there really is, with AeriScan, no compromise in, in resolution and signal because of the detector. You're getting the benefit of a much smaller pinhole, a 0.2 area unit pinhole, but with the collection efficiency of a 1.25 area unit pinhole, okay? So I, I alluded to this earlier. Also, in addition, because of the, the detector design, you, you know where the location of each one of these detector elements is relative to the center. Therefore, you're able to collect a much higher spatial frequency information and use that in your, uh, and use that in your image reconstruction, which in this case for us is a linear deconvolution uh, which maintains, makes it easier to, to quantitate the image in the end. However, if you didn't, what, what had traditionally been your choices prior to AeriScan to improve your signal noise or improve your resolution for confocal imaging? Well, one approach is to, has been, is offered uh, by, on the market is to close your pinhole down and apply some sort of iterative deconvolution. Problem with that, as we discussed earlier, when you close your pinhole down, you start to throw away photons. You start to throw away light from your sample. Therefore, your signal noise of the image gets worse. So in this case, we're looking at an example on the right-hand image where we've closed the pinhole down to 0.6 area units and applied a 4x average plus a deconvolution in order to try to match what we can do with a single scan, with a single scan of area scan. And obviously with the 4X averaging, we're still not back to the signal noise that we could achieve with AeriScan. So if we double that to an eightfold average with a 0.6 area unit pinhole and run a deconvolution, you're still, your situation is better, but it's still not quite that of AeriScan, all right? So when we say that AeriScan not only improves resolution and improves signal noise, this is um, to some degree exactly what we mean when you 
compared to other things on the market. In the paper I mentioned earlier, that's one exactly what they uh, they looked at before they went on with the rest of their study because they wanted to know what are my options to increase to really study the morphology um, of the mitochondria and make sure I am not, I'm being as gentle as possible and I'm getting the best reconstruction uh, possible. And in this case, um, what they're showing here is the based off the different techniques, whether standard confocal with a one area unit pinhole, a closed pinhole and deconvolution or area scan, they're looking at not only the signal noise and whether or not they can resolve the structure they need to, but they can also, whether or not they could achieve or realize uh, the higher frequency information, which is shown in the, with the green background of the Fourier plot or the Fourier image. And as I say, even with the confocal one area unit, they were able to realize higher frequency information uh, compared to the closed pinhole decon situation, um, which in their mind really highlighted the point um, that every photon is sacred. So AreScan was a much better approach uh, for them. And again, if we look at the AreScan 2D super resolution mode compared to standard confocal, um, where you don't necessarily want to acquire a Z stack, but you need just a single plane, you can achieve, you're looking at a, a GFP tube as an example, you can achieve a much higher resolution with a single scan uh, over time. All right. And you can apply this um, to multicolor images. It's obviously not just a single channel. Um, if you, by applying a sequential, in this case a line, what we call line switching, you're interleaving your green red lasers per line as you do the acquisition to give you a virtual or um, simultaneous uh, in multi-channel collection. However, if you have samples where, um, you know, confocal is, is wonderful, obviously. However, there are situations where you have samples where you need to image beyond uh, the typical 100 micron depth limit of confocal where you have a highly scattering sample where you need to apply um, other laser scanning techniques or uh, excitation approaches like multi-photon um, where area scan can still be utilized to drive up increase your resolution, increase your signal noise of the image. So in this case, we're looking at a Drosophila brain section where GFP is labeling motor neurons. We're using a 25x.8 numerical aperture lens. And if we zoom up um, to, to make the comparison, image on the top left is using standard confocal with uh, single photon 48 nanometer excitation. On the top right, we'll look at that similar image with area scan. Yes, your, your, your signal noise is a little bit better, but you're still, in this case, we're 300 microns into the sample. You still get uh, too much scattering from the sample uh, on the excitation end to have a nice image. So if we look at the bottom left with multi-photon excitation with a GASP and DD, our, obviously our situation is much better. But if we apply the multi-photon excitation with AreScan, you can see we get the improved signal noise, improved resolution, that we, similar to what we got with the confocal uh, example, okay? So this is making the point, trying to make the point that AreScan is not only applicable for confocal, but it is has um, benefit for multi-photon um, imaging as well, okay? Then, as I mentioned earlier, we, we introduced, I believe it was 2015, the fast mode for AreScan, which gave us another dimension 
to really improve the specs for a confocal microscope, and that is with the, the acquisition speed. So what we're looking at here is a uh, zebrafish uh, GCAMP6. Uh, image on the left is standard confocal. Image on the right is with the fast mode of the area scan. We're very much, uh, I think it's, uh, I believe the frame rate increase is a little over fourfold, which is enough then in this case to make sure we have enough sampling to really measure the, um, or have enough temporal, temporal resolution to really adequately represent the GTM dynamics that this group is interested in. So how does the fast mode work relative to what we already discussed with the area scan? The way that it works is instead of illuminating a single point, if we introduce some excitation beam shaping in addition with area scan, we can elongate the excitation beam along the Y dimension to acquire four uh, excitation lines in parallel. So we achieve the speed increase via parallelization, not a uh, pixel dwell time decrease as we would with, an, with a uh, resonance scanner. So in this case, we're effectively painting with a bigger brush or wider brush. We can do this very rapidly to achieve um, very high frame rates, similar to that of a resonance scanner. So again, to, to highlight the point, if we look at a 1K by 1K resonance scanner, at this field of view, you're roughly seven and a half frames a second. If we match that with the area scan fast, we do a zoom up, you can very easily see the dramatic increase uh, in the signal noise that you get from the parallelization um, of the area scan approach versus just simply driving your single point faster, which really negatively impacts your image. So earlier when I talked about the group studying uh, the, the microtubules, uh, the microtubule buckling, this is a, a slowdown of the image compared to the resonance scanner looking at 80 frames a second for the resonance scanner or 96 frames a second for, for the fast mode. You can very clearly see that we can make out um, and in this case uh, measure what the, the buckling frequency is, how the mechanical load is, is uh, translated into the cell with the area scan fast mode, which is what the, the group did. Uh, with the resonance scanner, this was simply impossible. In addition, one thing that the area scan, because you are, because of the parallelization approach of the area scan and you, the ability to achieve longer pixel dwell times at a higher frame rate, the benefit to this is because your excitation beam is being, is spread out along the Y dimension, it actually turns out it is much, it is more gentle on your sample than at standard single point confocal. One way to measure this is if you look at, in this case with flow four, if you look at how quickly the background comes up with flow four, it gives you a measure of the reactive oxygen in the sample. And that's what is shown in the plot. The standard confocal, um, the presence of reactive oxygen comes up much faster, indicating that you're being much more harsh on your sample than you were, would be with AeriScan uh, fast mode. Again, because what you're doing with excitation beam. All right. So not only can you apply the speed that you achieve with the, the fast mode to looking at faster dynamics, you can also apply this to throughput. So if you need to image a large area uh, via tiling, collecting multiple fields of view simultaneously, you can realize a benefit there while also, again, maintaining a higher signal noise and maintaining a higher uh, resolution. Okay. 
In this example, um, we're using a, a, a larger, a 20x, 0.8 numerical aperture objective. And this, looking at and taking these stacks over time, uh, in this case, looking at Drosophila embryo, where I think it's GFP labeled tubulin, and what you're looking at is a depth coded image over time. The point here is we can now able uh, to image fast enough, a ZSAC fast enough to hit the correct temporal sampling uh, that the group is interested in by also being truthful enough to not arrest the embryo development, uh, which realizing this on a standard confocal um, has been next to impossible, if not very incredibly difficult to do. Okay. And to give you a little bit of highlight of, of a still from this movie to look at also the structural information that is maintained or the increase you get uh, of the signal noise in the resolution with the area scan and fast mode compared to normal LSM. Um, for the micro tube, it, it is quite apparent the benefit. And again, you can not only use this for, for single plane sort of functional imaging or, or, or calcium imaging, you can apply this to rapid Z-stacks. So in this case, we're looking at uh, is the spine of a zebrafish embryo uh, with multi-photon excitation um, with the reporter's GCAMP5. Oops. Oh, uh, to go again. No, they're fighting me. But you get the idea. You can now couple this with a, let's say, a piezo uh, Z-drive where you can acquire rapid Z-stacks over time while maintaining the high signal noise and resolution with fast. So there, there's plenty of benefit. Um, to this approach. So just to wrap this up, with the LSM-880, the 32-channel gas detector offers the ability to image highly overlapping uh, fluorescent signals while maintaining, allowing a, the, the sensitivity in by only requiring a single scan. Um, then area scan sort of takes it to the next step of um, simultaneous increase in signal noise resolution and, and with fast mode speed. Uh, so with that, I'll, I'll send it back over to you, uh, and we'll take some questions. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. That was an excellent presentation. And so we do have a few questions from the audience. If anyone else has a question, please feel free to post it in the questions box that appears on the right-hand side of your screen. So let me see. So first, we're going to start off with a question from um, Meng, Meng Fu, I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. Um, and they ask if Ariescan is only applied to, to 2D, is there any potential for 3D? Sure, so Ariescan is um, very much capable of doing 3D. So you can acquire Z-Stacks and get the, the resolution improvement, uh, 120 nanometer XY uh, resolution, 350 in Z if you acquire the three-dimensional data set. What's uh, the point with the, the 2D SR um, is that typically in order to achieve the 120 nanometer lateral resolution would always require the acquisition of a, uh, a Z-Stack. And in this case, because of the area scan detector, the axial information is encoded even in a 2D slice. So what we can do then is realize with the single single plane, realize the um, higher lateral resolution in a much thinner optical section to give you high contrast and high resolution without having to acquire a, a Z-Stack. Okay, and 
that makes sense. Thank you. And so, Joseph, we have another question from um, Maxim. And so they ask, um, could you tell the effect of each um, on the final res image resolution using the AriScan detector? I'm not 100% sure uh, what that means. I, I guess if the question is, you know, are we able to validate the, the resolution spec? Of course, mm -hmm. we, we obviously test that strenuously when we launch a product. In this case, um, you can utilize things like um, the nano rulers, I believe, made by, uh, I think the company is Gataquant. They make a 120 okay. nanometer nano ruler um, test sample, if you will. And, and yes. Okay. And then he has a follow up question um, for unmixing and spectral imaging. Um, do you? Mm -hmm that you use, um, how many laser lines do you have for exciting the dyes? Sure, so uh, you can do, I believe, up to six to, okay. uh, off the top of my head, nine lasers, if you like, oh, wow. on our system. So it kind of depends on, on what you need and, and your budget and that sort of thing. Yeah, it sounds like there's a good amount of flexibility there. Yes. And then we have a question from Colin, and they ask, how do the adaptive zoom optics differ from the standard confocal micro microscope optics, and are these necessary? Sure, so the zoom optics are applicable for, for the area scan because again, since your detector is the pinhole, it sits in the pinhole plane, we want to ensure that we're projecting the, the correct amount of area units, if you will, onto mm -hmm. the detector. Um, and depending on the objective you're using, the mag and the NA, uh, you need to account for that so that we're always projecting, regardless of uh, the objective, always projecting the uh, 1.25 air units uh, onto the detector. So for a normal, normal confocal, those don't exist, um, okay. the, those optics. So you just change the, the pinhole aperture size accordingly. And then you have your standard unitary detector or spectral detector behind the physical aperture. Okay. And then we have a question from um, uh, Pooja. Um, and they want to know if the ARI scan works with the Axio Observer Z1. Yes, it does. It works uh, on the Observer Z1, the, the inverted platform, as well as the, uh, the Imager, which is an upright uh, stand, as well as the Axio Examiner, which is also a fixed stage upright stand. Okay, and then um, Nicodem asks about how did you measure the 120 nanometers and what was the reference sample? Uh, again, utilize the uh, uh, particular, the, the, the Gataquant uh, nano rulers, 120 nanometer resolution sample where you know how far apart the, the, the two objects are uh, is one way as well as other, um, I didn't show them, but there's, there's other um, mm -hmm. biological standards we, we used or our tests we used samples we use rather in-house uh, to check it. Okay. And then um, Wassam asked, how did you process the image that you obtained by the ARI scan? Well, the, depending on, I mean, the, I guess depending on the, uh, the, the mode, whether it's the fast mode, the, 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 what's called the, the standard super resolution mm -hmm. mode or the 2DSR, um, there's always a, you know, to get the resolution improvement or the signal noise improvement, or, or get them both rather, um, you first go through, uh, I guess what you would, um, 
what we call uh, a reassignment, meaning each detector element is offset from the axis. Uh, all 31 of them are, so you know how far shifted they are. So you bring everything, um, uh, shift it back so that everything is back on axis, if you will, and then you apply a, uh, a, a Wiener filter, a linear deconvolution on top of that. So you get a 1.4x resolution improvement just by the fact, virtue of having a smaller uh, based on optics, based on the fact that you have a collection of smaller pinholes, and then you get the additional uh, the additional boost from the deconvolution step, the linear decon step. Oh, nice. And then um, Michael asks, how much resolution is lost to operate in the fast or paralyzed mode? Or parallelized mode, sorry, not paralyzed. Sure. So the specification when you go into fast is 160 uh, nanometer resolution lateral, and then I think it's 450 NZ. Okay. And then um, Vladimir asks, what is the best choice of objective for a 2D super resolution to get the maximum resolution? For the max resolution? So yeah, that's a good question. Our, spe our specification, 120 meters, is uh, for the 63X plan apo, uh, plan apo chromatic objective with 1.4 numerical aperture. Okay. And but that's not to say the, the sorry, one additional point because on the with the uh, eight eighty in particular, you can you you you'll get the um, how do you say the x improve the two x improvement in resolution with any objective you use. So if you're using a lower NA lens, you, you can still uh, improve the resolution performance of that lens. So um, okay. And then um, I'm pretty sure the answer to this question is yes, but I just want to make sure. Um, Rufin, Rufin asks um, if Ariscan can be used for single fluorophore, single fluorophore detection. Yes. That's oh, single, mo single molecule. Sure, you can give it a, um, you can give it a shot. Obviously, that's a very challenging thing. So mm -hmm. you know, to try it out. We've had some, we've had some success. Yeah. Okay. And then Terrence asks, um, as they understand it, the 2D super resolution mode permits reaching max resolution of the system with a single optical session, section, but it doesn't improve, does not improve the X, Y, or Z resolution over um, the existing area scan methods for large Z stack or for large enough Z stack acquisitions. I'm not quite sure I entirely understand the question, but. I, I, I'll answer what I think the question is. The 120 okay. nanometer resolution spec is applicable to not only uh, a single plane image, a single 2D image, but it's also applicable to Z-Stacks. Um, so okay. <laughs> hopefully that answers the question. And then, um, so Annette asks, what's the main difference between using the Ariscan versus light sheet to visualize something small like embryos? Uh, can you repeat the question? You broke up just a little bit. Oh, sorry. Um, what is the main difference between using the Ariscan versus light sheet to visualize embryos or something small along those lines? Um, the, the thing with the light light sheet is um, it's still, it, it's, how to say this, fast, you're getting a, a speed increase, gentleness increase by, by, parallel, by a parallelization. Light sheet is sort of Taking that even to a much farther extreme, in the fact that you're, the way that your your illumination detection um, geometry is set up, mm -hmm. um, you can utilize um, a massively parallel um, optical section creation by based on the excitation and detection geometry. So it's not 
you know, how would I say this? If you're looking for higher resolution, um, then Airy scan would be the the, the 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 preference. But if that's not so important and you need the the speed um, with a large field of view, light sheet will still um, still outperform. Although you're you're getting better with Airy scan, it's still it's not to the, okay. to the light sheet performance yet. And then our next question is from Rebecca, and they're asking about what is the maximum sample thickness that can be used on the Airy scan or with the Airy scan. Sure, good question. So confocal. Um, if you're using, let's say, a visible wavelength excitation, so whatever you normally do with confocal, you can do with area scans. So typically, uh, 100 100 micron uh, depth. Uh, generally, obviously, it's going to always be sample dependent. And then with multi-photon excitation, you're in the realm of 300, 400 micron. Um, and then for a very for a trans very transparent sample, you can you know if it's a clearing sample, you can utilize the full working distance of a clearing objective. So on the order of millimeters if you desire. Um, but so I, I would say keep it simple, 100 micron confocal, three to 500 for multi-photon. Okay. With area scan detection, yeah. And then um, Nicodem asks, how many fluorochrome, sorry, how many fluorochromes can you acquire simultaneously with area scan? And um, have you made, or how do you make um, a multicolor acquisition? Uh, good question. So the area scan is a single, single detector so you are um, simultaneously you're only collecting one 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 floor four at a time however you can interleave acquisitions so you can do what's called a line-wise switch so you can uh, mm -hmm. particularly with fast because you you have such a dramatic speed increase you can actually really benefit uh, in terms of channel spectral separation by having um, uh, how do we say one floor four at a time but not you won't necessarily realize uh, any slowdown in your acquisition speed if you're used to standard confocal um, today. So uh, in this case, you you would switch laser lines per line. So I don't know, green, red, green, red, green, red, as you acquire um, per line as you as you build up an image. Or you can okay. add multiple. You could do more than two. That was just an example. So. And then um, we've had a couple of people ask this, and Michael's one of them. Is there a time delay when switching between the colors, or what is the time delay? I suppose there must be some, but. Well, it, it depends a little bit. If you okay. have, um, depends on your floor floor for choice. So if you have something that's somewhat specially separable already, um, then you don't have any delay. Your only delay is the, the switching of, a, of the AOTF, which is uh, nano. I mean, it's beyond what's resolvable in, in your acquisition. Um, however, if you have, uh, four or four choices where you need a little additional um, spectral separation, then you need to utilize uh, the emission filter sets inside the area scan, and then that will depend on um, how many you know how many okay. changes of the filter wheel you need. So I, I don't have a good answer for that question. Yeah, that makes sense. It's going to be kind of dependent upon what your, your actual application is and what your needs are with that. Correct. And then we have, we've had a couple of different questions, um, but people are asking about their existing area scan um, equipment that they have. Does this new mode work with that or does it yes, require good. different I, equipment or is it very dependent? Sure. So you will need um, the minimum software of Zen 2.3. Okay. Um, and if you have that, then the software uh, is, is included in a uh, feature pack release 
So there is no additional license or anything you have to buy. You just have to have Zen 2.3. And that should be applicable to an 880, uh, an 800, or if you have an Aries scan on a, a 710, 780, if it, can, if it runs Zen 2.3, um, you, you have access to this feature, to this mode. Okay, cool. And then um, Meng Fu has two follow-up questions. And so the first is, um, so AirScan um, must rely on band pass or long pass filters, but not on the angles of different um, of different wavelengths. So they're wondering about whether using the AirScan would lose flexibility of continuously channeling the spectrum. Again, not a hundred percent sure I understand the question, but yes, if you like, I, like I said earlier, if you need mm -hmm. um, additional help spectrally separating. Um, you know, if you get emission crosstalk or station crosstalk and you okay. need help separating, uh, cleaning up the signal, yes, you can utilize the bandpass filters. Mm -hmm. But if you have um, your samples already have well separated uh, fluorophores that you can excite easily one per one per laser line, then you can really utilize the line switching mode and, okay. and not necessarily be tied to having to switch the filter wheel. So does AriScan not require averaging, like just one-time signal gathering? Would that give them the best signal or continuously uh, do? Oh, an accumulation mode versus averaging? Yeah. Mm, frankly, my experience has been you don't necessarily need to do the sensitivity increase. You know, if, if you're comparing to your confocal today, you don't necessarily, you won't need to average if you, if, um, however, if you are trying to really push the limits and um, you still have it, you can average, you, you have that ability to average in the software with the scan acquisition. I would not say that's the that's the normal normal process when you acquire an image, but it's certainly certainly doable. So you can average two, four, five, or sorry, two, four, eight, sixteen times uh, if okay. you desire. And then it looks like we have about two more questions left. Um, sure. So the first one is from Bruce, and they're asking about. Um, Unpacking. So, does unpacking occur in the standard format as you move to AriScan processing, and then you choose the um, a different processing mode? Or um, I think they're asking about 3D processing. So it looks like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah. So, does unpacking occur in the standard format as you move to AriScan processing and choose the 3D processing mode? Yeah. So you'll, you know, regardless of um, whether you, yeah, you always have the raw data. So mm -hmm. whether you, you process for 3D or you do the 2D SR mode, it's, I mean, one, the, the, the resolution spec you can achieve is still the same, 120 lateral in each case. Or okay. if you just want to take a time series of 2D images, then you use the 2D SR mode. Okay. I hope, that, I hope that answers the question. And then our very last question is from Maxim, and they're asking about how the brightness of the fluorophores or stain um, and their quantum efficiency affects resolution. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the, regardless of technique, regardless of, you know, just a sort of basic imaging parameter, yes, your resolution spec could be 120 nanometer resolution. However, if you have a just terrible signal to noise, you'll never mm -hmm. realize that resolution. So those two are intrinsically linked. Um, and that's, you know, part of the reason we do it to flip it around, we realize on a, a signal noise increase as well as a simultaneous resolution increase with, with AriScan. So those definitely go hand in hand. And I do want to say Bruce, who asked the question about the unpacking, he says that it did that you did answer his question. 
Okay, great. Good. So that looks like that's the last of our questions. So um, that brings us to the end of the seminar. So thank you again, Joseph, for a very illuminating presentation and a fantastic discussion. And I also want to thank our sponsor, Zeiss Microscopy. All right. Thank you. And finally, thanks to you, the audience, for taking the time to attend and listen in. If you've enjoyed the seminar and would like to view the video recording of the session, please visit the webinar page on bitesizebio.com. It should be available within the next 24 to 48 hours. And there you can see the other webinars that we have lined up for you with Bite Size Bio. So until next time, good luck in your research and goodbye from all of us at Zeiss Microscopy and Bite Size Bio. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the webinar. To view the full video version of this and all of our other webinars, please visit bitesizebio.com slash webinars. Finding the right mentor can make all the difference in your research journey. But what if you don't have one? Look no further than Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast that offers curated advice from experienced researchers on lab skills, techniques, and career progression. With short, easy-to-access episodes, you can get the help you need to succeed in the lab. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for mentors at your benchside in your podcast app to subscribe and get help and advice from seasoned scientists.